0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And that becomes the joyous song that the disciples, now being apostles after Pentecost, would be singing to the nations. It's the theme for all of the cantatas uh, that the church has. Without Christ's crucifixion, resurrection... And thereby, ascension, all of these things which we would love and enjoy would be nothing. Your baptism, as I spoke earlier, maybe a, a month ago now, would be emptied without the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. With the crucifixion, you have your sins forgiven. With the resurrection, you stand before God as the justified ones, freely forgiven. And with the Ascension, you have the promise of the Holy Spirit. All of these things come by way of Christ's departure. Now, you may remind yourself a while ago, maybe a few months ago, we celebrated the transfiguration of Jesus. And in the transfiguration, his clothing shone so bright, like bleached white, His face shone like the sun. He was transfigured before the uh, disciples, Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there he spoke with Moses and Elijah. And as they spoke, you want to know what the topic of conversation was? It was his exodus, his departure. This seems to be this running course of everything that happens in Jesus' life is always the talk of his departure. Yes, he came to earth, but even at Christmas, we talk about why he came to earth, to depart. His coming was always for his going, his going to the Father. That's how Jesus talks about his suffering. From the Father he came and back to the Father he would go. But as we celebrated on Good Shepherd Sunday, he gathers his flock together so that there is one flock, one shepherd. He the one who leads the sheep. And where are the sheep going? But back to the Father. Do you see how that all fits so beautifully together as the church celebrates this new song? We don't have a song to sing without Christ. We would be poor, miserable people, as St. Paul says, if the resurrection never happened. We need this Christ risen from the dead. We need the Christ who is going back to the Father, so that we might have the promise of the Holy Spirit, whom, as Jesus has said, will take what is mine and declare it to you. And what is the Lord Jesus'? Everything. And all creation belongs to God. For a time it has been under the improper rule of Satan, who loves to see the people miserable, turning away from the Lord, stuck in sin, because that is how he has his clutches on them. That is how he binds us, is by our sins. We lay in chains or fetters, as some of the hymns might say. But thanks be to God. Through Christ, we have become released from this tyrant over our life. In fact, this is one of the things which Jesus says the Holy Spirit will do. The first two are convict the world of sin. And wouldn't we want that? If we knew that something was evil and something was not good for us, wouldn't not we want someone to tell us? And yet there is still so much of the world that is against that. They don't want to be taught when they are going the wrong way. They don't want to be convicted of their sin. They like themselves just the way they are. But Christ has a new life for us. One that doesn't end with misery and death. One that is a departure that is even for us a going to the Father. So we must be convicted of our sin. That might be the daily work of the Holy Spirit. For each and every day as you have taken into yourself and consumed the word of God like a precious meal, that word of God informs your life. It doesn't just sit there in isolation, but it informs you what you should do, what you should not do, where you should go, where you should not go, what you should say, what you should not say. It tells us where the precious treasures are in life tells us where we should place our thoughts and our desires, always keeping them pointed at Christ and the heavenly treasures that we have yet to see, the eternal life that we have yet to live. Among the other works of the Holy Spirit are convicting the world of righteousness. Many world religions are stuck on works righteousness. That we have something to be merited by our actions, our salvation. But that is just not true. Christ is the church's righteousness. Christ is your righteousness. The blood of Christ covers you and you are made clean and pure. Christ Jesus is the one who was innocent, not you. And the innocent one took upon himself all the world's sins. Every sin that the Holy Spirit would convict you of is a sin for which Christ has died. Even the ones that you do not know that you have done. Jesus took them all to the cross. He died for them. So that you may have the perfect righteousness of Christ. That righteousness of Christ, the being right In your life and before the Father is something that we cannot put a price on. We know that it costs the blood of Jesus. That was the price for it. But can we truly fathom that cost? That the Father would send his dearest treasure to us to redeem us. But that is what happened. Jesus came to earth, born of the Virgin Mary, lived the perfect life, suffered and died for you, so that every sin which you might come which may come to your mind or which may be spoken against you is the one that you can say has been covered by the blood of Jesus, every mark that has stood against you is blotted out by Jesus, and that's what the Holy Spirit declares to you that you are forgiven, that you are loved by the Father, the very Father, that you once stood against by your free will, fighting against his will, that is the Father that loves you, that calls you his own child. Jesus is going back to his Father and to our Father. And finally, as you heard, the work of the Spirit is to convict the world of the judgment Because the ruler of this world is judged. He is defeated. Though he took the life, not even taking it, I don't wish to say that. Though he was at the heel of Jesus on the cross. As the Lord laid down his life. Gave it into the hands of betrayers and evil men. Satan loved that moment. But it also meant the moment of the devil's destruction. For as soon as sins are redeemed, the devil has no more power over us. For in Christ we are freed. The chains are removed. We are set free. Death, which could not hold Jesus, though it very much wanted to, cannot hold you either. You are free. You are the free people of God. I've, in six years, I've told this to a few people, but I've buried close to 30 people in six years. That's not the most. I know some of my friends in six years have buried almost double that. It is a life of the church. To live, to be born again in baptism, and then to die and go to heaven, as we like to say it. And during that time of talking with people near death or their loved ones who are watching another die, it is often times of comfort. They will say, when I die or when they die, they will go to heaven. I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? How many of you have said that? Yeah, I see all the heads nodding here. When you die, you go to heaven. But how many times have you said someone to someone, when I die, I go to the Father? just don't say that but why not that is the blessed comfort that Jesus gives in this sermon to the disciples he says this is the way of my death it is to go to the father and you know from elsewhere that Jesus has said where I go there you may be also it's not just heaven it's to the father To stand before the Father is, without Jesus, a terrifying thing. We talked about that just a few weeks ago at the resurrection. But when we have the righteousness of Christ, the blood of Christ, going to the Father is a blessed comfort. Now, if you've ever been a child, I'm looking at all of you, you know that there were times that you did not want to go back home. You dreaded that day that you had to knock on that door and, and watch your dad or mom be disappointed that you didn't do what you were supposed to or live up to the things which they wanted you to do. Maybe it happened once. Maybe it was a repeated offense. We don't always want to go back to our fathers or to our mothers for fear of having disappointed them. But I tell you, there is nothing to fear in this death, that we all must die. Because going back to the Father isn't going to be you being met with a disappointed and angry judge of your life. Going back to the Father, to the place where He has prepared for you, there will be an open door because of what Jesus has done. You have the promise of the Holy Spirit who is going to... Give to you everything that is Christ. And that means the eternal kingdom of our God. It is handed over to the saints. To all who believe. When you go home. When you go back to the Father. By whatever way of suffering and cross you must bear in this life. You are going home to a place that is safe. That has been prepared for you. With a Father who loves you who cannot wait to spend all of those moments of the rest of our life into eternity with you. To share a table with you. The eternal wedding feast of the Lamb and His kingdom, which will have no end. That is the feast that God the Father wishes to share with you. So I challenge you a little bit. The next time you speak of your death or your departure, speak about it in the way also that Christ speaks of his. That yes, you must go through some suffering in this life, but truly and ultimately you go to the Father. And to the Father means to your home, to the place where you will find your blessed rest forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.